Welcome everyone to Magical Mystical Journeys. I'm Amy Renee. I'm a practitioner of shamanic arts and today I have two other lovely ladies joining me. Katie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey everyone, Katie Valentine. I'm a Christian minister. I'm a New Testament scholar and an intuitive metaphysical practitioner. Really happy to welcome our listeners today. And Andrea. I am Andrea St. Amand and I'm an evidential psychic medium. Thank you so much. So we're here to talk about these guides, this, this journey of life that we're on together and how there's certain angelic beings and ascended masters and guides that show up to assist us on the, along the way. Last time we, we spoke about Metatron and it just feels good to take a moment and just integrate, you know, what we have each experienced from last time to this time and even invite our viewers to, if you've had your own experiences, you know, synchronicities, sightings, anything that's come up for you, feel free to email us. You can email us at magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. So Andrea, would you like to share anything that's come up for you? Sure. I uh, actually, I was so focused on this week's uh, character, <laughs> not that she's a character, but this being. And I realize only now looking back that, you know, we, we made this bridge from Metatron to this week's focus on purpose. It wasn't just pulling it out of a hat. Um, you know, we made, we did this on purpose and I believe actually Metatron was sort of behind the scenes working the whole way. We talked last week, of course, that He's very much a doer, you know, at least in my experience, very much a teacher, a logical kind of uh, uh, energy. And so I feel like he got us ready for this huge being that we're going to be discussing this week. So I really feel like he was behind the scenes the whole time helping, I don't know, get my brain ready to get wrapped around this week. For sure. Katie, what, what's new with you? What's come up for you with this since our last time together? Oh my gosh, it's been the busiest week in, in a long time for me. So I was very grateful for the guidance of all these beings to help ground me and center me a little bit. And I was really focused again on our um, woman of the week for this mm. week, been kind of on my mind, but that's not to discredit Metatron uh, in any kind of way, right? Like Andrea, I feel like Metatron has been there being helpful. No specific, like no specific revelations or dreams or anything like that. But I was like in the back of my mind all week kind of seeing the cubes. And I realized that I alluded to them last week and I didn't ever really explain the Metatron's cubes. So another episode, we'll, we'll get more into that. But that sacred geometry and um, Amy's such an expert in that. I was probably feeling some of her energy around the sacred geometry of which I don't know very much. I just enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for speaking into that. So I just want to take a moment just to, so the Merkaba, the Ka aspect is our light body. So just taking a moment just to, to recognize that within each of us being present to here and now. So what's come up for me since last time, man, I'll tell you what, it has been quite a journey. I want to be careful what I say because I want to wait for some of it to be shared, but I almost feel like the embodiment has really been present in my life in a huge, huge way. So sometimes these messages come through, you know, through synchronistic ways. 
And sometimes it is like totally internal that we experience it. And that has definitely been the case for me this, uh, since last time we got together. So the internal um, or the external or both, both, both? yeah, okay. the internal, like a lot of internal things that took place on the external that brought things up on the internal, which totally connects to Metatron and the message of the, like the launch pad aspect. So I look forward to going into that. You two both said something that I think is really interesting. Uh, Katie, and I wrote this down, you said you were very busy, but thank goodness that you had these beings to ground you. And most people, when they start thinking about angels and ascended masters and spirituality, they get really floaty, right? We think, right. oh, <laughs> we're going to ignore our daily lives and just get floaty for a minute. And you were like, no, this is going to, these, this is what's grounding me. And Amy, you just said the same thing. This has been all about embodying so that's, I just, that's interesting. <laughs> well, and I'll speak to, I've, I've pressed, pressed mute several times on my devices because I keep on having to cough and allergies are horrific today. And so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll acknowledge that, but I haven't been coughing all morning. And that's often just a sign that there's like lots of stuff going on with my heart chakra. Um, so I'll, I'll acknowledge that for whatever's happening. And of course, our guest of today has some expertise in that area. And so I'm also asking that this just be dissipated. I got, I'm paying attention. I got, I'm getting the message. So I don't need to cough to get it anymore. I love that you just spoke into that because that's been a big message too for this is, is to ask, like when we're going through things, like what you just said, Hey, help me out here. I need, you know, any way that you can assist me, I'm here. You spoke of the grounding. I'm going to grab a crystal really quick because I am very shaky right now. You know, this is me speaking like this is very, um, there's just an energy that's present. So here I have this, this amethyst, uh, I think it's amethyst, just to, just to help ground me and be with me and to share these most perfect messages. So today we will be sharing about Magdalene, who is a great companion uh, piece from last episode's Metatron which we highly recommend if you have yet to listen to it. So uh, it said that Metatron was actually one of Mary Magdalene's guides. So that's kind of, kind of exciting just to, to share that. Um, but before we go into the, the stories, the messages and the shares, uh, let's just start with a little sacred space, a little gratitude and intention. So I just welcome us just to, just to feel into here and now, filling our bodies. We thank our listeners for tuning in and all that is here to assist us in sharing the most divine messages, information, and a meditation as we invite and welcome Mary Magdalene to be here with us. Thank you, divine guides and messengers for helping us to weave the energies of the divine here on earth for the betterment of all life. With love, appreciation, and joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was also invited, reminded, so I shared when we spoke about sandal fawn that to remember to put on our wings. So I'm reminded that we are earth angels. And so by like just 
stretching our arms, even bringing them into the front, opening up our back, that heart space in the back, breathing into the heart space, opening our arms. <laughs> it must've been resonant because I coughed. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's got something she needs to get out. I do, I'm not yeah. yes, I know, right? <laughs> I know, I love the exercise though, I'm like doing it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I also, it feels important to share that Magdalene, I feel was very much, what's the words I would like to use? Connected, honored life in certain ways. So I was kind of called to, to burn some incense and have a little holy water oil. So if anyone that's tuning in, if you feel that call to just to create a sacred space around you in that way, please definitely do so. I have my little chakra spray, that I, mm. uh, sacral chakra spray that I sprayed. I did a little bit of a uh, rose incense just to clear. And I lit a candle too. To me, that's just a really great way to, to bring in that light. So I had a question that did come up. And so the question is, why do you think these angelic guides and enlightened beings show up for us? Why do you think they show up for us? Kind of like, uh, Mary, Mother Mary, how she had an angel show up for her. Andrea, I know that you, since you work really deeply with, I'm going to call it the unseen, like, well, some see and some see in other ways, what your answer to this question might be. Well, it's interesting you raise Mary as an example of Mother Mary because angels can come up for uh, us for a lot more mundane experiences than um, giving birth to Christ. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, I, you know what? I would say two things. I think they show up for us when we ask. And that's the number one thing I hear from clients. Like, I've never had an experience with an angel or a guide. And I was like, well, have you asked? <laughs> have you like you know just ask that doesn't mean you're going to have a mystical experience right in the middle of the street in your waking moment it might mean that they're around you all the time and you just need to sort of tell your conscious mind to pay attention to maybe some subtle different subtle energies around but i do think just mm -hmm. ask and then pay attention to what come what comes up but I also think sometimes, um, and this has been my, my first experience with um, an angel, um, sometimes they need to slap us upside the head. You know, <laughs> sometimes they need to just be like, wake up, there is a message for you. Even if you don't pay attention to it for another 20 years, sometimes it just needs to happen. Um, so I, 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 would, I would caution anybody um, against thinking that, well, I'm not important enough. Maybe they're not going to show up for me. Why would an angel show up for me? Or why, well, why not? You know, so, um, or why, is there something wrong that I haven't experienced this? No, there's not. You know, tuning into that unseen realm or that, that other realm, it's so subtle and it takes practice like, like anything else does. So I really think it's just a matter of being open and aware and willing to receive. Well said. I think for me, like intention, like I feel that it began with an intention of really serving life in a great way. <laughs> and with that intention, things just start showing up. So that by itself. And like you said, it's practice, it's awareness. 
tuning in, we each have different gifts, you know, different strengths and qualities. So that, that, yeah. Katie, how about you? Yeah. So the question of why I have, um, I've also worked with clients who are like, uh, kind of like Andrea said, they may not feel like worthy of having experiences with angels or like that. Why me? What am I, who am I to be special? And my response is always that God is so abundant. There's more than enough angels and guides and benevolent beings to be present with you than you could ever imagine or even ask for. And there's probably more of them than us. And so <laughs> sure. they're happy to come and be of assistance. And then sometimes I think we feel um, just because, you know, we do have these human bodies and experiences, we can feel a little selfish, like feel selfish asking for assistance. And, you know, most of us don't really like to ask for help anyhow. And so it's even hard to ask angels for help. But I, I'm pretty sure that the only thing angels are, wait, I didn't say it right. I'm pretty sure the angels are doing more than only helping us all day, every day. They probably have other things to do. They probably have their own lives, their own spirits, their own friends, their own like football games or whatever. And so, yeah, they're around and helping us, but they're doing other stuff too. And they're not limited by the same time space reality that we are. And so, you know, helping us is one of the many, many things that they're doing out there in uh, all the dimensions and cosmos universe but we're and whatever. Not we're not bothering them by asking. No, exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they, they don't have the same ego that we have. And so they're, they're happy to help whenever they can. And sometimes their help is like, yeah, no, you, you don't get that right now. Right. Sometimes their help is like, yeah, you're, you're asking for something I just can't give you. So they're always going to have our best interest in mind. So the why is because, you know, we're all part of the same created universe. Beautiful. They're here. Yeah, for sure. So well said. But what else comes up for me is like a lot of times there's an aspect of, you know, feeling guilty for asking for something we need. Well, when we really look into it, if we're fully receiving what we need, how can we show up in the world? So it is actually serving all life when we do, you know, ask, you know, hey, can I just trust, you know, I'm in this place. I need to ask for help and I can't do it alone, you know, or if we are meant to do it alone, that's going to show up because it's going right. to empower us in some way. So it's a great life hack. Like if we can learn to ask angels for help, then, you know, we can, might be able to learn to ask humans for help, but unlike humans, the angels will never be, the angels will never tell us no, just because they're like too tired. <laughs> right. They, they don't have to set a boundary with us in the same way that humans do. So <laughs> right. the, the good news is the answer is always going to be yes. It just may be in a different way than we're expecting. Than we want. Than we want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's totally fair. Yep. <laughs> so shall we go into the story of why Mary Magdalene for this, this episode? Katie, you want to share a little bit about your experience of how, how this even came to be for this one? <laughs> sure. Well, so about how Mary Magdalene came to be for this episode? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I think you said it well at the beginning that we were kind of on an M phase for a while when we were coming up with the, when the guides were telling us who we were going to be talking about. So it was funny because like Metatron, Mary Magdalene, there's other M's coming up. I won't speak their names now. Uh, we'll save that for the future. But yeah, so you had this insight um, that Metatron may have been Mary Magdalene's guide. And I'd never heard that before. So I'm super curious about where that 
where the information may come from. And then for me personally, Mary Magdalene, you know, she's a really important figure in Christian history. And I, one of the ways that I really started exploring all of this world, including scripture, like way before I ever thought about doing this professionally, like becoming, getting a PhD in this stuff, I read novels. And I've read novelized versions of women's lives of the Bible. And so Mary Magdalene is, of course, like a really popular one. She's out there in popular culture. It, you know, in the past 20 years, she's been in a bunch of adult novelizations. So I read a lot of fictional accounts of Mary Magdalene's life that had really different perspectives on her. And I really love that. And then as, um, as an adult and someone in doing intuitive and metaphysical work, she's, of course, even bigger than the story that we've got in scripture. And so I'm just super jazzed to explore her uh, with the with the three of us and our different experiences of her. Yeah. So I don't, have I missed anything? Is there some, if, if there's some other way that she's coming to the podcast, I just don't remember it. Tell me. No, well said. Thank you. Um, Andrea, do you want to add anything else to that about your experience of, of why Mary right now? That's so fascinating, Katie, because I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but she came into my awareness also through novels, also through, you know, like I didn't know not... That. 20 years ago, baby, you know, and it's one of those things like, oh, she's always been there. Oh, duh. Yeah, she's always been there. I just hadn't turned my attention to her. And suddenly I was enthralled and fascinated. And I think we'd be amiss if we did not acknowledge how controversial of a figure she is. And that's the point. And yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. with you, I can't wait to get to the messages and more about her. Um, but that's kind of the point. But that just, it, it was it was almost like, you know, there's somebody lurking, something lurking right behind your shoulder, you know, and all, and you realize you turn your head and you're like, oh, it's always been there. <laughs> it's just, I haven't turned my head. And so I, I feel like we were, I still feel like the two angels in the weeks before us were getting us ready to yeah. bring her in next. And, and, and we just couldn't wait anymore. We could not wait any longer. We didn't want to push her to the end of the pack. Yeah. And just today as we're, rec as we're recording this, I'm on the, it's like noon, my time. And I kind of started feeling the energy around like nine, like about three hours ago, kind of just a little more intensely um, than mm. the, than the two previous weeks as well. And one of the things I love about Mary Magdalene, that I think Andrea just alluded to, she can't be contained. Mm. She cannot be contained in these boxes. Different people have tried, different institutions have tried to contain her and it's just not possible. And I like, love that she's gone rogue. She's gone cosmic. She's gone international. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so my experience like I knew right away after we were done with uh, Metatron or sharing we're never that done with Metatron right, right. <laughs> <laughs> after we were done with the episode speaking it's like okay who who is our next guy the topic you know and I knew in my heart right away who it was so I have this this thing of like okay to allow the ego to step aside, there's a little trick. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to invite us just to all tune in and tap in and ask the question, who would like to be the next episode? And each of that's who came through. So, I, oh yeah. Within like 15 seconds, we were all like, Mary Magdalene, let's yeah. do her. Okay. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so that is who we are sharing about today. Let's also talk about what people might, ex, you know, experience when they encounter Mary Magdalene. Andrea, would you like to share? 
Sure. I would say buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) I loved what Katie says. She cannot be contained. And so um, the first thing that I felt with her is the complexity. So you're, I feel like if anyone's tapping into her, there's going to be this, Ooh, there's this feeling. Oh, and there's also this, or this, it's like, there's a yes, but this, or this and that, or, um, and I, I got the analogy of, you know, how we, Sometimes when we're making a decision or thinking through something, we'll say, well, on one hand, there's blah, blah, blah. But on the other hand, there's blah, blah, blah. And I think Mary Magdalene is, is, is the embodiment of all, of all sides. It's not like on one hand, but there's the other mm. hand. It's one hand and there's the other hand. And there's probably 18 million hands, you know? It's the yes and, no and. It's the this and that. And so I, I don't, you know, I would, say don't be surprised if when you feel her energy it's extraordinarily complex in a beautiful way and it all exists in one being it's not a simple there's black oh wait now it's white no it's black and white and everything in the middle yes i love that and for me there's can i go ahead i just (laughs) Barreled yes, on, I just right? barreled on. Thanks. Um, I'm so I'm wearing red today in honor of Mary Magdalene because she's so often associated with the color red, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, in a little while. But I love the what Andrew said about her complexity, and you know, there's a real sexual energy around Mary Magdalene. Her portrayal in popular culture, whether that's um, I don't want to say legitimate, of course it's legitimate, whether that's um, accurate to the historical picture or not, you know, is something that I can talk about. But regardless, that energy is there. And so I think that taps into the creative self. So people might expect sort of an explosion of your creative self. However, that takes form for you. Um, It may be very explicit through like writing or dance or singing or some kind of creation, but it might just also be that internal feeling that something new is happening. And so she's often associated with the egg. You know, we often see pictures of her holding an egg and that eggs represent so much, right? This new life and uh, fertility, but also it's this, perfect like exterior and interior that are all held together and so this you know this idea that she she has this complexity and can hold so many things within the shell of of kind of new life new birth of whatever that may be i would add to that too it's when you said the sexual energy and any creates creative energy i would say and the repression of it yeah it's it's both together. Right. It's not just the creative. It's the creativity that's wanting to go and the and the stamping down the repression and of the it. stigma it's, and the all the stuff that goes along with sexuality, especially women's sexuality. Not only, but especially, and not just sexuality, but anything creative yeah. or anything that's coming up in you that might be something you've repressed. You know, something that's really wanting to come up, some emotion or some idea, and then you instantly like put it down and start arguing with it. I would say all of that is her energy. It's that duality all in one being. Mm. And it goes beyond duality, but that's just a quick way to sum that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so it's so funny. So for me, when she showed up for me, I can relate to the, the book thing. So my first experience of her was I went to this like uh, class, this workshop thing. And, and there they asked, who was Mary Magdalene? What do you know about her? So that initial thing, whatever it is that comes up for us as an individual, you know, for me at the time is like, well, I know that 
I've heard that she's in the Bible, she's considered a prostitute, that type of thing. Okay. So in this workshop, it was, I did not expect this whatsoever. The guided process that they took us into went into more of like a shadow, the uncomfortable aspect of something we've experienced in our life. So when you speak about that duality, oh my gosh. So I left, when I left, like, totally had tears, but there's so much like love and appreciation for this wisdom that came from that uncomfortable experience. And it's like this and this, because with that light side and that shadow side, there's a third, it's something else that's born that can hold both of them. And so it's like empowering and loving. And it is all of it, fully all of it. So that's, <laughs> I love it. And I love that you said wisdom. That's going to be a really, really important when we get into her, the, the sort of afterlife of Mary Magdalene in the second and third centuries, mm. that idea that she's one who, who contains wisdom. Is there anything else that either of you feel called to share or speak into right now? I have a lot more to say. I'll wait till my question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Katie and Phils, would you like to share about what you have found as far as the biblical stuff and anything else that's uh, come up for you? Sure. It gets complex. I'm going to do my best to um, kind of boil this down and give us some, some basics without getting too complex. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that if you're over the age of 18, you've heard of Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code. So that kind of reignited a lot of the popular kind of investigation into Mary Magdalene. And so let's back up and we're going to start with the four gospels that are in the New Testament. And so Mary Magdalene is a figure and she appears in all four gospels. This is fairly unusual. The, you know, obviously the disciples, Jesus appear in all four gospels. A few other figures do, but they don't tend to be women. So this is it's noteworthy. It's very noteworthy, especially because we have three gospels that are very similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then one that's really different, the gospel of John. So when someone appears in all four, it's kind of like this, okay, pay attention, pay attention. This person has really important historical merit to them. And so Mary Magdalene appears in all of the resurrection stories of Jesus, or she appears at the empty tomb. She's in all four Gospels at the empty tomb when Jesus is resurrected. And it's really, really important. She is the first witness to this monumental um, experience, to this monumental event. We have a really brief reference to Mary Magdalene in the middle of the Gospel of Luke. And this is where she's associated with the seven demons. So you know, we often hear she, that seven demons were cast out of her. And this happens in verse 2. Uh, so I'll just read. It's chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Soon afterwards, he, Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming, bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's uh, steward Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided them for them out of their resources. Okay, why is this significant? This is significant because it shows us something really important about the early days of Jesus. 
women were an important part of the Jesus following community during his earthly ministry and in the years of the early church. You notice that the last little phrase in there was these women provided for them out of their own resources. Y'all, wealthy women were helping fund the early Jesus movement. <laughs> they were feeding these men, they were housing them, they were providing for them uh, in all these ways. So part of what I love about this Mary Magdalene, kind of this really brief reference, just in these kind of two verses here in the Gospel of Luke, is that we see that the stereotype and the caricature that women weren't worth anything in the ancient world can't tell you how many times I heard that growing up. It's not true. It's not true. The story tells us right here, they were providing. They were providing. So this is Mary Magdalene is one of those people, most likely. And her presence at the empty tomb is also really significant. So she is the one to proclaim, she's the first one to proclaim this good news. But we have this picture of her, and uh, Amy alluded to this, right, as the prostitute, as someone who's like repentant, a penitent of her sexual sin. Scripture never, ever, ever alludes to her sexuality. It doesn't call her a prostitute. None of that. No, I don't have a problem with that, like justice for sex workers. <laughs> well, this, uh, I, I don't want to sort of demonize sex at all. But it, it just happens that the New Testament doesn't refer to her in that way. So how do we get this story of Mary Magdalene? That's why she's often pictured in red, because it it's the color associated with prostitution. Uh, how do we get to her having this particular portrait? Long story short, I'm going to make this as quick as I can. Uh, there was a lot of confusion uh, and worry in the early church that the Gospels didn't align with each other. They told different stories. They didn't tell the stories the same way. So there was an effort to harmonize them and to try to kind of say, well, this person in the Gospel of Matthew must be this person in the Gospel of Luke and this story. So they kind of played connect, connect four connect the dots with all of these people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Pope Gregory the first in 581 declared that Mary Magdalene from this little, little snippet that I read from the gospel of Luke must also be Mary of Bethany. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who appear a few chapters later in Luke 10, when Jesus comes to their house, not the same story as Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's in another gospel but this little brief story about Mary, Matt, Martha, and Lazarus. And that must also be the sinful woman who appears in Luke 7, right before Mary Magdalene is mentioned. And it's alluded that her, her, the reason she's sinful is because of her sexual, uh, sexual sin. And so Pope Gregory said all, all three of these are the same woman, and that woman is Mary Magdalene. So that's how we get this portrait of her as a prostitute or as someone who is like sexually, and I'm putting this in huge air quotes, sinful. So let me pause. There's a little bit more to the story in her afterlife. Questions, questions this far. Is this all making sense so far? That's a lot of information. Yeah, no, this is great. Thank you. Okay. All right. It's fascinating. I, can I ask a yeah, of question course. about of the first verse you read? Yes. Do you take that to mean like Mary Magdalene was one of, could have been one of the wealthy women actually providing for Christ or was she traveling with him? When you first read mm -hmm. it, I, maybe this is just my own bias. I thought she was traveling with him and these other women were providing for them. I don't know where I read that. I don't know how I got that, but. What, yeah, there's no reason it can't be both because the wealthier you are, the more freedom you have to travel. Okay. As well. But the, the I am understanding this as, and I, uh, it's been a while since I've looked at this in the Greek, but Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward and Susanna and many others who provided 
for them out of their resources. So the who could refer only to the many others, or it could refer back to all, all of them. And so I'll double check that in the Greek and make sure that my, um, my, my pronouns match in number and all that kind of stuff. So I have something coming up for me of some of the information that's come into my life is that as far as the women being wealthy, it is said that she did come from a very wealthy family and that when she was born into this incarnation, she had a lot of her psychic abilities too. So if you think about it, you know, to have these different gifts and some, you know, who can we connect? His, her parents saw that. They honored her in that way. So the story is said, mm-hmm. you know, fill into what that might mean for you. But I just, it speaks to me. For those of us that are out here that, you know, we can connect in different ways that the general population just looks at it of like, that doesn't belong. Like, man, embrace that. We're here for you. Like, you're safe to speak to us about these things. So, and the other piece that came up as far as the, the sexual energy, it's come into my awareness. That's a big role that she played in Jesus's life is that she assisted him in charging his light body, the caw body. So if you think about it, like just a simple touch of like, when you touch yourself, you know, on your arm or, you know, if you're receiving a massage or something like that, how good that feels or when we have a connection with, with another that just like the spark between two people and how that does ignite and light us up. There's like all this life energy. Like when we first meet somebody and it's, it's clicking, it's like, I don't need to eat. I don't need to sleep. It's like all this energy here. And it feels that she did play some sort of role in the life of Jesus in that way. So Katie, please continue. What a beautiful segue into talking about her presence in these other texts uh, that don't appear in the Bible, but are in early Christianity. Yeah. And so that's, that's beautiful. That's exactly where the story kind of goes. So I bet a lot of people are wondering, how do we get from like Mary appearances at the resurrection and this kind of brief allusion to her in Luke 8? How do we get from that to her showing up in France with the child of Jesus? <laughs> so right. I'm going to connect a few of the dots. I'm not going to connect all of them because some of that is really mythology. I also want to point people to just a few resources. Uh, the work of Karen King is really, really, really helpful about this. I also love the work of Cynthia Bourgeau. And she's an Episcopal priest who really explores the, all the Magdalene connections. And it's I was just shocked at um, the depth and capacity of some of her work. And Jane Shaberg, dearly departed uh, a few years ago, but Jane Shaberg is a bit biblical scholar. So those are really the three people I've consulted for this little, this little uh, foray into the life of Mary Magdalene. Did you say Car- Karen Keene or King? King, K-I-N-G. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes too for everyone. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So we have these other stories where Mary Magdalene appears. Some of these were only discovered in 1948 when we discovered the Nag Hammadi text. Big fancy words. I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to look this up. So two of these stories, uh, one of the stories I'm about to mention was found there and one is found in another kind of circulation of the early, in the early church. And these are texts that people probably knew about, but they don't fit the kind of orthodox picture 
of early Christianity. So if you think about early Christianity as having multiple strains, only one of which has survived into our large world consciousness today. And that's the, that's the dominant kind of portrait of Jesus, of, uh, of scripture. But there were a lot of other competing, not even competing, but um, coexisting strains of Christianity. We're going to explore one of those now with these two stories. So we're going to talk first about the Gospel of Philip. In the Gospel of Philip, the second century text, we have it mostly in the Coptic language today, but it was probably originally in Greek. And we have some tantalizing kind of allusions to Mary Magdalene. So I'm going to read to you a little bit about from a translation by Wesley Eisenberg. All right. So uh, this is from the Gospel of Philip. Uh, there were three who always walked with the Lord, Mary, his mother, and his sister, and Magdalene, the one who was called his companion. His sister and his mother and his companion were each a Mary. So she's called companion here twice. So that's kind of um, suggestive. It's a little bit suggestive. And then uh, after that, as for the wisdom who is called the barren, she is the mother of angels. And the companion of the, and then there's a blank in the text, Mary Magdalene, there's another blank, loved her more than all the disciples and used to kiss her often on the mouth. The rest of the disciples said to him, why do you love her more than all of us? <laughs> and the Savior answered and said to them, why do I not love you like her when a blind man and one who sees are both together? So we have this, you know, love that's described between Mary Magdalene and Jesus. It's not explicitly sexual, but there's some kind of overtones here. And whether this is kind of divine, chaste, romantic love or consummated romantic love or just, you know, kind of platonic, deep friendship love is not very clear. And I think it's deliberately unclear to keep us guessing a little bit. So it kind of alludes to this potential romance, but it's also associating Mary with wisdom, like she knows more than the disciples do. So this is pretty cool. We also have the Gospel of Mary. And uh, so this is probably uh, also an early second century gospel written about Mary. It never calls her Magdalene, but we're pretty sure just as scholars that this is about Mary Magdalene. And Karen King um, says something really interesting about the Gospel of Mary. Um, she says that this is communicating a vision that the world is passing away and there's a dissolution of um, suffering and death and illegitimate domination. And that Mary seems to be the receiver of the wisdom for how to help through this transition. So this translation is from Andrew Bernhard. Um, it's fairly long, but I think it's worth it. Is that okay with everyone? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. So there's some instructions from Jesus before he departs, before he ascends in this, in this gospel. And then it says, Mary stood up. She greeted them all, addressing her brothers and sisters. Do not weep. Do not be distressed and let your hearts be irresolute. For his grace will be with you and will shelter you. Rather, we should praise his greatness for he has prepared us and made us true human beings. When Mary had said these things, she turned their heart toward, toward good, and she began to debate about the words of the Savior. Peter said to Mary, Sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than all women. Tell us the words of the Savior that you remember, the things which you know that we don't because we haven't heard them. Mary responded, I will teach you about what is hidden from you. And she began to speak some more words to them. 
So we see here again, an illusion, not even an illusion, a direct, like Jesus loved you more than all of us. So that's again, highly suggestive, but not explicit about what kind of love that is. But what we do see here is that there's a conflict between Peter, who in the gospel of Matthew is given the keys to the kingdom and Mary Magdalene. So it seems that we have a couple of different strains of early Christianity, one in which Peter takes the the kind of forefront. We have another one where James uh, is, is the leader uh, later on in, in the New Testament. And then we have this other tradition where Mary Magdalene and the wisdom associated with her seems to be first and foremost. So it's this wisdom that she inherits that's really highlighted, I, I believe, in these gospels. Uh, you can read some more of the text that I uh, that I suggested about this. But she later on in the Gospel of Mary, she also has some more conflicts with Peter. And so, yeah, we have this, we kind of have the Orthodox version that we've inherited in our popular culture, but we have this wisdom tradition that the threads run throughout and she cannot be contained, I believe. And we see these wisdom threads that appear, they pop up at different places. So then we have all these myths that she, um, uh, that she bears a child and she and the child go to France and then the child marries into the uh, kingly tribes of Gaul at the time, and those become the Merovingian kings. I'm not sure. I, I actually, I don't believe that <laughs> at all. I think that the, the child that Mary gives birth to is wisdom. And that wisdom belongs to all of us. And the wisdom that she, um, that she inherits, that she receives from Jesus, is one that can be shared with all of humanity. So thus endeth the lesson. Questions? Comments? <laughs> Fascinating. There's, there's one thing that does come up for me. So as you spoke into like the keys, you know, he, he receives the keys. It's almost what comes up for me is like the knowledge, the key to open up different aspects of ourselves. So say for instance, I spoke earlier about the shadow aspect that shows up. So <clears throat> the key to working with the shadow aspect. So whether it be anger that shows up or fear to see it. So the key is to see it and to also the wisdom of it is to be able to communicate, go inward and love this, these aspects. Okay. You're here. You're showing up as a, a launch pad, a launch board of sorts for that next piece to be born. That, that thing that's going to hold it all to, you know, I don't want to say contain all, but that's going to hold it like, like an egg for something new to be hatched. So. And you know, what's interesting about that, Amy, what struck me is that you can have a key and never use it. You can have a key and never put it in the dang lock. <laughs> you can never open it. And it's fascinating. Peter was given the keys. That doesn't necessarily mean he used them, just like all of us, right? And I also was one. I was thinking, too, that a key could also be conflict. You know, if there's that conflict between Peter and Mary Magdalene, that could be a key to both of them to go deeper or to unlock something mm -hmm. else, which may or may not have happened. Um, and it's the same in all of us. Sometimes we use conflict and we use it just at face value. We don't use it as a key to go deeper. So that was cool. Yeah. yeah I love the, I love the insights, but that's, um, yeah, I, this speaks to the origin. It speaks to conflicts within the early church that people were having. You know, that someone envisioned this conflict between Mary and Peter and then put it in this particular text to really position her as the authority. So we know at least some early Christian groups were seeing her as the authority. And I love that from this, she just takes a life of her own. 
right? We get all these stories about her making it to Gaul, making it to France, the stories about like a bloodline of Jesus. I don't believe that that's literally true. I don't need that to be literally true. Um, we don't, we don't need an incarnated descendant of Jesus to access the, all of this wisdom. And so yeah, she, she gets a whole life of her own beyond these second century, third century stories. That continues today. Uh, absolutely. I love that. I, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, I was just, go ahead, Andrea. Oh, I was going to say, I had some other like messages from her. Like when I was feeling into her, I don't know if now's a good time to say it or not. Yeah. I will I will receive if you're okay. <laughs> okay. Just jumping in here. See if I can re read my chicken scratch. It's my notes. But for some reason that this the the main thing that I had felt from her, which really follows on what you all are saying, is that she kind of embodies all the inconvenient truths. And that's uh, something we all need to be paying attention to. And I, I just keep getting struck that here's this very powerful, wise woman back then, but all of us in modern time don't think of women as being powerful back then. So that's just, that's fascinating that that's come mm -hmm. to light today and that it might be an inconvenient truth centuries later that women were actually powerful and wealthy or whatever, and they could, they could choose to support a spiritual leader. But it's just like, it's that embodiment of all the truths of all, even, the, or if, perhaps especially the inconvenient truths. And it's the integration of all of that into a whole. And uh, one of the other things that I had written down was this idea of faith with her, because I have always felt that if she had this particularly special relationship with Christ, her words are very wise, but as a human being, you know, she must have been turned inside out to watch him suffer and to lose this man, to lose his actual human flesh and blood. So yes, you know that his spirit is going to continue and his teachings are continuing, but as a companion, as a woman, as a companion, as a friend, to lose that. And uh, what I was hearing was that faith is not belief. Faith is belief plus doubt. Faith is belief plus loss. Faith is love and loss. It's all that together. And that is faith. And I believe that is what would have for her and probably all the disciples would have gotten them through losing someone like Christ. Cause that to me, that loss to me is just so real. I don't know why it's just so painful. I think that anyone who would, would have had to witness that would have been in a tremendous amount of human pain. Um, but yeah. faith is not just the belief part. It's the doubt of like, why are we having to go through this? What are we, what, why this is horrible. But then the faith is what gets you, gets you through. Yeah. And Anne Lamott uh, says that the opposite of faith is certainty. Oh. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just repeat that. The opposite of faith is certainty. And I think she's spot on to have faith is to be able to hold your doubts. Right. And if you can't hold your doubts, then your faith ends up being very brittle. Right? Mm. So yeah, faith, that, yeah, it's not necessarily about a belief. It's to me, it's more of a way of being and Mary Magdalene embodies that way of being. And the, the story, the resurrection story in the gospel of John, I think is the most tender one uh, It's the most mm. complete one. And it's the one where she is in the garden and she knows that the tomb is empty and she believes the body has been stolen. 
and she sees Jesus, but doesn't recognize Jesus because his body looks different. And so there's something going on there. And she says, you know, she thinks he's the gardener. And she says, you know, sir, do you know where the body is? Have you laid him somewhere else? If you have, just tell me so I'll know. And then it's this moment when she recognizes him, like she recognizes something in the spark of who Jesus is. And so it's that wisdom, like her ability to know, to see, to recognize that. Beautiful. And to take those inconvenient truths, right? Right, very. (laughs) All of that. How interesting. Okay, so some of the teachings, the readings, what's come into my life is, so we speak about her being at the crucifixion and how challenging that could be to be a beloved, have a, you know, be with your beloved partner as this pain is like, it's happening right here in front of you. And part of her role in honoring life was to hold space for him to, as the crossing, the transition took place. So she was there in what I'm going to refer to as a ceremonial way. Yes. Say more. Really holding space, holding this, this peace. I'm here with you, the light. And I believe that there was a couple other individuals involved too, who also were holding that space for the crossing for that light body to, to transition. So in a way he left his physical body but was still alive. So the physical body, I believe, went into the tomb. And so when Mary experiences Jesus in a different way, to me, it is speaking of the light body that she is experiencing. When you, what do you mean by light body? Light body. So the, the energetic, the aspect of like, if I'm not here in physical form, the spirit body, I guess, could be a different way of speaking of it. So in my work, it's the soul. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. As a medium. Yeah. Yeah. But, but his yeah. body is also okay. missing. So something happens the to the physical, physical body. body. Yeah. Something happens right. to the physical body. This is part of, this is part of the Christian mystery that I love. Like we don't know what, we don't know right. what happens, but something happens. The, wow. um, Amy, you said something uh, just now that kind of sparked my, um, Oh, anointing. Yeah. I think anointing and the Magdalene tradition are both really intertwined. And so I'll, I'll, I'll defer to Cynthia Bourgeau, go read her book. It's amazing. You'll all love it. Um, I hope she gets a lot of royalties from this promo that I'm giving her. But the, this act, the sacred act of anointing was really important in the ancient world. And we see that a woman, often presumed to be Mary Magdalene, anoints Jesus in all four Gospels before his death. Mm-hmm. And so that sacred act is really tied to this tradition. So I'm kind of curious if you speak a little more about that and your, what's come to you. For me, it's... So with doing these things, so like today we spoke about lighting the incense, lighting a candle. So it is intention with that. So by her, to me, the plants, the oils have their own significance of how they work with us. Say for instance, when we're sick, you know, and we might take a herbal tea to help, help us feel better. In a way, the plants are working with the individual or in this case, Jesus, you know, I feel like Rose was a big part of it, you know, the blessing of the feet. So with intention, whether it be intention of clearing or the plants working with this individual, 
that's kind of what comes up for me. Like it is, is working with different virtual aspects for a greater purpose. So I totally was not going to get into this because it's so nuanced in particular, but (laughs) that same little passage in Luke 8 that I read with all the women who are following Jesus and providing resources, um, there's a fantastic theory that I completely believe. And again, it gets very detailed in in the technicalities that these women were actually healers who worked with plant medicine. Sweet. (laughs) And so I love that (laughs) synchronicity. This made it into an article that I wrote about the enslaved girl in Act 16 as another potential shamanic kind of person. I I don't use those words, but uh, kind of tapping into that energy. But so that these women, maybe Mary Magdalene being one of them, were actually healers who were accompanying Jesus as healers, interacting, teaching with, like sharing with. And that the the seven demons that are cast out of Mary Magdalene is kind of a later addition to literally demonize her. She's not a healer. Instead, she's one who needs to be healed. That that might be a kind of later veneer. Because the Gospel of Luke is written, let's say, like 50 years after the death of Jesus. That totally brings up like the hero's journey for me. Like, how many times have we, you know, there's something that's come up within us. And by loving it, healing it, then we're able to hold space for another for that same thing to take place. So it's kind of like this, this and this again. Another thing that came through, I just wrote this down. Suffering is an option. So I shared earlier my, the time since we last came together was Yeah, like an embodiment aspect. I want to go into that a little bit before we go into our meditation. Um, So what showed up for me is something very hurtful was said to me. And so I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene, you know, what it was like to, I feel like there's a story that she was stoned. She was, you know, called the process, like just looked at in a certain way and how hurtful that can be. So how do we handle ourselves? How do we show up when people come into our lives and maybe say things about us that are not true or see a certain thing, which is going to bring up some of the messages. I wrote these messages down just to be clear on it, to receive the gifts. To know that when another is projecting on, it's a projection in a way. So whatever it is that they see within us, what is it within them that needs to be healed? That is actually coming out in what they see within us. So to receive the gifts, the messages, let go of expectations. So here's a big one for this week. I'm like, okay, I really want to just deliver this amazing message, this amazing story, you know? And it was just like, so I had all kinds of different things. And the biggest thing was let it go. Like this creation is creating itself. I don't know what it's going to be. I, my ego self has these things, but just to, to allow. So thank you for both of you for allowing, for our listeners for allowing how others treat us isn't about us. 
to, to really fill into, okay, no, it can be this. What is this trying to teach me? What am I receiving from this? How do we speak up without giving our power away? Because a lot of times we, you know, if something hurtful said, we like really take that to heart. And in a way that's giving our power away, like to like, okay, what is this for? Thank you. And sometimes it as simple as boundaries, like this showing up, this is my boundary. It is not right. I, you know, to say this in a loving way, I hear that you experience this. It's hurtful for me to hear this. So it's like letting that person know, I don't want to speak to you right now until we're able to speak in a way that is loving or whatever it is that that needs to be come up. That's empowering for all of us, for each of us, which I think in relation to Magdalene was, there's no, no person that's higher or lower. It's like, really, can we work together? Can we do this together? Love one another. So loving an anger aspect, a shadow aspect showed up with me, anger, like, so working with that of how it could be a launch pad for me with like, roses how they have thorns so it's not good or bad it's you know it just it's part of it so these hurtful pieces how is it serving what do i need to know what do i need to say what do i need to do for myself you know whether it be remove myself from a situation stones can heal so some people use stones to heal a stone can kill a stone can build. The Magdalene cards also came up for me. Yeah. So I have three different decks. Okay. I love, I so, love the afterlife of, or not the afterlife, the current life of Mary Magdalene with all these decks. All right. So one of the first decks that came into my life was called Keepers of the Light. So Mary Magdalene, ooh, nice. All these different decks. Teacher awakens. You have something important to share. Follow the inner call. Don't let anything stop you. So all of us have that divine feminine within us as well. That was another key piece of, even if you're a man, you're listening, there is, we all have that balance of feminine and masculine. So like embracing what that divine feminine is within, how we show up in this way archetype cards came into my life. So this was part of the shadow gold or what's called the light or shadow attribute. So I just picked up hero today. That's the one that came out. So the light attribute of hero is passion for a journey of personal empowerment. Passion for a journey of personal empowerment. So I really love how that just kind of ties in with some of what we spoke about. Now the shadow aspect, so this would be like the thorn of the rose, escapism and a false sense of heroism. So to escape. So um, beyond the veil, there was, the, so this, these things that show up is like, oh, I'm lifting the veil for the next piece. 
Katie, I don't know if you remember when we, the three of us first got together, but you spoke about like this apocalypse oh, yeah. aspect in the veil. Can you just share a little bit like what that yeah. meant, what you shared? Yeah, let's, let's definitely kind of um, make a, make a plan for a future episode. We can talk about apocalypses. That would be, that would be fun. Okay. Uh, but an apocalypse, like the most famous apocalypse is of course the book of revelation in the new Testament, but we have a lot of other examples of apocalypses and they are, they're, they're so twisted in our culture today that they are now scary and they're not meant to be scary. They're meant to be actually justice seeking. The book of Revelation is justice seeking for Christians who were being persecuted, who were a minority at the time. But the word apocalypse simply means to unveil, to remove the veil. So it, it assumes that the other world and our world, or that it's not even the afterlife, it's the heavenly realm and the earthly realm are separated by a veil. An apocalypse removes the veil, lets you pull it back so you can peek behind it. And you have a seer who is your guide for that, like Jesus in the book of Revelation or Virgil in Dante's in the Divine Comedy. So these different guides. And then we put the veil back. See, I feel like that's a great segue into me, like how what Mary Magdalene has meant the whole way. And it's lifting the veil in and of yourself, lifting mm -hmm. that veil to your dark, your dark side, mm -hmm. lifting the veil into that all aspects of you. Because one of the things I'd written down was that, you know, and this goes back to that, that either or mentality, but maybe that's part of Western culture that we tend to want to banish or kill off what's bad for mm -hmm. us, you know, and we want to want to just only focus on the good. And I don't think that's what Mary Magdalene stands for. Yeah. She's standing for all of it. And even just the discussion we had about her role with Christ's passing, you know, as a human, the loss, but also really honoring the role of helping him transition, which all of us do when we're watching a loved one pass. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of my work. You know, it's a big part of you. Yes, you're, you're having the spiritual aspect and you're seeing this soul transition and yet the human suffering, like Amy, you just said, allow the suffering. It's all of it. It's the whole, the whole big cauldron of messiness. <laughs> and I just feel like that's what Mary Magdalene is really representing. It's like the veil is constantly lifted on the human condition. And Amy, while you were speaking, I love that, Andrea, thank you. And Amy, while you were speaking like about boundaries and just, you know, our, our human selves do get hurt, right? Because we, we do have expectations. And uh, we, don't, we only get disappointed when we have expectations. I've, I've found it impossible thus far to not have any <laughs> about people in my life. I've, uh, Mary Magdalene can help with that. But later on in the Gospel of Mary, this conflict that she's having with Peter, I feel like she puts up this great boundary with him. I just, I'm glad I didn't read this far, so I'll read it now. It says, Peter responded, bringing up similar concerns. He questioned them about the Savior. And then, quote, did he then speak with a woman in private without our knowing about it? Are we to turn around and listen to her? Did he choose her over us? Mm. It's totally a rhetorical question, right? We all know the answer is like, yeah. <laughs> but this is what Mary says to him. Then Mary wept and said to Peter, my brother Peter, what are you imagining? Do you think that I have brought these things up by myself and my heart or that I'm telling lies about the Savior? So she puts a clear boundary on him. Do you think I'm lying? Why would I lie about the person who loved me and whom I loved? And then Levi speaks to Peter and kind of shames him <laughs> for having all these patriarchal, patriarchal ideas for Mary. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious for the two of you now hearing kind of a little my synopsis of the, of the story. 
how are you both feeling into like this the sexual creative part about Mary Magdalene? We haven't we talked about like she loved Jesus. And Christians, I know, get so uncomfortable with the idea that Jesus and Mary Magdalene may have had a sexual relationship, except unless you're Mormon, because for Mormons, Jesus had to have been married in order to open up the celestial kingdom. But I don't know that Jesus was married necessarily to Mary Magdalene in this. But marriage is, I mean, there's kind of some, some bridal language throughout these early texts, but not, it's, like, it's not saying that they were married. It's saying that they were intimate. Which may well, or may not so. have included a sexual component. <laughs> Andrea's like, I hope she had some fun. <laughs> I hope he did too. <laughs> Actually, earlier, I um, I was wondering historically, and this might not be something we know, if you know what it would have taken to actually get married, or if they were even eligible to be married under the law. Um, oh yeah, I mean, either, easy. all the okay, easy. yeah, I, yeah. yeah I wasn't sure. Um, but there is a tradition of celibacy too. I mean, like we have both traditions. It was common. I mean, it would be very unusual for Jewish men by the age of 30 not to be married, but not unheard of. There were strands of Judaism that were ascetic and celibate. So we both, we have both traditions. Honestly, I don't, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> it doesn't, and like you've said before, Katie, like you don't need something to be true. Right. And that's how I feel. But I also don't feel uncomfortable with the fact that Christ would have been fully of the flesh and blood and with Mary Magdalene or with another woman. Mm -hmm. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And, and that something else that triggered within me is like, so as a female, you know, and we go from this childhood to, I'm going to say more of the, of age, uh, adulthood and what some call a moon cycle, that aspect, how it can be shamed, you know, in a way the intimacy aspect has been shamed for a very long time. And what I feel to be the truth is there is a sacredness in all of that. It's a sacred union and honoring that when it shows up of that being our first egg when it happens or the sacred relationships of the shadow and the light, you know, male, female, all of it, all of it. Something just struck me. Why was, why is it that it's okay that Adam and Eve are okay to be together? <laughs> I know it fits with the storyline, but it's not okay that, Jesus would wouldn't have had a companion. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of feeling like the need to to sort of playfully explore all of these you know all of these sexual components and um, for for women, especially in the West, we've just inherited this tradition of a, an unhelpful tradition of Madonna whore, where like Jesus, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the Madonna, and Mary Magdalene is is this sort of whore who has to repent. I mean, I think all that's really an unhelpful paradigm. For us, and I just know so many women who are told sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. Until you get married, then you should really like it, and that just doesn't work. You know, then I know a lot of women who get married, and they're like, "This is still really bad. This is <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel excitement or pleasure around this." Right. So that's an inheriting this unhelpful tradition. So I'm wondering if just Mary Magdalene can help break. You know, for anyone who has felt that in your life before. Maybe Mary Magdalene, this energy of Mary Magdalene can help break that open into you know, being full yeah. people. 
And it, that full people can be, can, can be the choice to um, not be sexual. You know, I do know asexual people who are just not interested and that's okay. That's like totally legitimate. Right. I just I want everyone to be able to have the freedom to explore all these components of themselves. Yeah. I definitely think Mary Magdalene is your key or can be your guide and your key to, to explore that repressed creativity, yeah. whatever that looks like for you, what, whatever it looks like, your, or that repressed desire, that, that shadow side of yourself. Absolutely. Ladies, is there anything else that we would like to share before we go into the brief meditation? I feel, I feel complete for this time around. I feel like she'll be coming back. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, on that note, so for hopefully those of you listening, Please, if you're in a safe place, join along, listen to this. If you are driving, uh, please wait till you are in a safe place to listen to this meditation and join along. Or maybe you can drive and just see what wants to come through. Just don't go super deep into this and just see what comes up for you. So on that note, Katie, would you like to lead us in this meditation? Absolutely. I'm inviting everyone into this meditation into Mary Magdalene energy. So invite everyone, if you can, to put your feet flat on the ground and to take a deep breath. You might even imagine a cosmic egg of light surrounding you. You are perfectly protected and safe. Within this egg is absolutely everything that you need right within you. And in your mind's eye, I invite you to envision a door. The door may be traditional, made of wood. It might be made of light or something else. Just notice what is there for you. And step through it. And as you step through it, you're finding yourself in a garden. And in the garden, you see a woman sitting deep in her own thoughts. You sit down next to her. And instantly, you know that this is Mary Magdalene. And she has already witnessed the miracle that has taken place. She has received all the wisdom that the divine has for her. And it's there for you too. And as you sit next to her, you might imagine one thing that you want her to know about where you are right now, what is going on in your life, what you would like assistance with, or just something to share with her. And take a few seconds and share that with her. You can share it in words or through your own mind. And now that you have shared that with her, Mary Magdalene has this special message for you too. And all the wisdom that she has received as being a witness to this miracle is available for you, for the world. And she's getting ready to give you this message with kindness, with the complexity 
It might even feel like it has many parts to it that don't seem to come together, and that's okay. She's going to give you this message, and she might give it to you in the form of a word or a feeling or a symbol. So you might even open up your palms as you're sitting next to her to show that you're ready to receive this offering. And take a few minutes and just let it arise for you. Now that you are receiving this wisdom that comes directly from source through Magdalene, know that it will continue to inhabit you. It might feel very clear right now, or it might feel very fuzzy. No matter how it feels, it is living in you the same way that it has lived in Magdalene, in Mary Magdalene, for all of these millennia. And her energy will be there for any creativity that you are needing in your life right now. It's a good time to take a few minutes. You might want to offer her gratitude for this wisdom that you have received. And she will remain in this garden. She will be there eternally and also other places in the world because she is so... Uh, complex in this way. But anytime you need to return to this garden, you may. So simply rise and stand up in your mind, walk back to that door, open it or go through the portal, and arrive back to where you are now with this new wisdom that you have received. Take a deep breath or two, and when you're ready, you can open your eyes and return to the present moment. Thank you so much, Katie. You're welcome. That was that was fun to do. It changed a lot from the beginning of the call till now, based on all the amazing things that you all said. <laughs> Andrea, would you like to share maybe about your experience before I do? Sure. Um, she gave me incense. I wasn't even thinking she was going to give me anything. And I understood, you know, how incense in the um, incense she, that she gave me was like the, the stick incense that's burning, which that's a piece of something solid. And then it's transforming from something solid into smoke, into the ethereal. And meanwhile, giving off this lovely scent that's real, but ethereal. So I thought that was just such a fitting gift given everything that we've talked about her being like all in one the solid and the ethereal and the flame of desire and the smoldering i don't know i'll have to think she, about that she more. anointed you a little bit better oh my gosh mm, oh i'm gonna cry she, <laughs> she anointed you with this I incense love that. yeah i'll take it yeah. <laughs> beautiful i received uh, so the first thing that I received was like a bell, like a jingle bell Aww. type of bell. I was like, okay. And part of me is like, is this my ego? Like just doing this, you know, I was like, okay, now I'm really going to allow. What is that? And there was an earthworm. I love I'm it. Like, 
Okay. So to me, like what comes up for me in this is like the earthworm is so needed for the garden. It nourishes yeah. the garden. Yes. And like the bell to me is like a way of just ringing in, you know, connecting with the guides, bringing the angelic aspect, the embodiment of that and the fun, this like fun, like jingle bells, you know, just this fun aspect. So the nurturing, the connection, the messages, like part of my intention was, where do I go with this? What is this magical mystical journey is what do I do? You know, it's the moment, nourish it, ask for guidance. And in each moment, I all know. And you know what, Amy, earthworms are uh, such a good sign that the earth is already nourished and healthy. Yeah. And the, um, and, and also this, I mean, I think I find it very playful. Like Jesus, Jesus has emerged from the tomb, but the earthworm is still <laughs> like still behind, you know, like in a, in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it feels like it's time to just wrap things up. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in Andrea for the messages that have come through you, Katie, for the wisdom that you've shared and Magdalene for being present with us. For our listeners, we would love to hear your feedback. Email us, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. Follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and just leave comments comment what you think. rate us. And rate us, please. Rate us. Let us know. And until next time, thank you all for joining us. Bye. Bye, everyone.